May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, again, good morning and welcome. We are so grateful that you're tuning in with us for this contemporary worship service today. Today, we're launching a new sermon series on the book of Jonah. We just heard the whole first chapter read for us. If you have it in front of you in your bulletin, I'd encourage you to keep it as we walk through this chapter together. And then over the course of the next several weeks, we'll, we'll do one chapter a week, and then we'll be blessed on August 9th, the 75th anniversary of St. Michael and All Angels founding uh, to have Dr. Powers give a reflection on the book of Jonah as well. So we're really excited about this. The book of Jonah um, is really an awesome book. It has a lot to teach us um, about anger, about stubbornness, about God's mercy. Um, Jesus himself recalls the book of Jonah when he's asked to perform a sign uh, for the people. He said, no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. And if you don't know this yet, he's going to be in the belly of a fish for three days and nights, just like our Lord was in the tomb. Before we get really started and dive in, I, I want to give uh, a background. And before that, I want to talk about fish stories, because I think it's really important um, as we engage with this fish story uh, that we have a sense of what fish stories are and they do. One of the books that I really, really enjoy um, that I had the pleasure to read all the way through, it's not an easy book to read, is called Don Quixote. Um, and it's written by Cervantes, who came from Spain, which is where Tarshish is, we think, uh, where Jonah tries to flee through. So there's a connection. That's a very thin one, but there's a connection there. And the story of Don Quixote is a story of a man um, in search of truth, um, and he is concerned about the loss of chivalry. Um, uh, he's concerned for the loss of love in the world, and he goes on these sort of misguided quests and adventures. If you've not familiar with the story. Um, it's a tough book, but it's, it's really great. And they made a, a stage version of it called Man of La Mancha. That's where Don Quixote is from. And there's a line from that play, um, which is very meaningful to me. And it's this, facts, F-A-C-T-S, are the enemy of the truth. And what that means for me is that if we get so bogged down in the facts of a story, we will miss the truth of it. And that's certainly true uh, in the story of Don Quixote. And that's true in fish stories in general. You've heard the one about uh, the fisherman who went out and said, I wrestled with this fish for hours and hours. It must have been at least 10 pounds when I caught it. Well, it actually only weighed 5.2 pounds, right? So the facts of the story aren't exactly correct. But the truth of that story is the fisherman was out, You've all heard fishermen tell stories about their catches, right? And that they, they did, they worked hard and they caught this fish that felt really heavy to them and it was a successful story. Um, in fact, some of our own parishioners like to show me photographs of fish they've caught on their phones and I'm quite sure they're doctored to make the fish look bigger. Or they have a small child hold the fish in their hand, you know, fish stories, right? The Bible has a couple of them. Another great story about fish is the book of Tobit in the Apocrypha, in which a fish is caught and parts of it are used for medicine and to cast out demons. It's a wonderful story, and I encourage you to read it as well. So as we engage in the story of Jonah, remember that we are searching for truth in this story, and there's a lot of truth to be found. What's the setting and context are important. I want to remind us of some history. So King David is the king of United Israel about the year 1000 BCE, before the Common Era. 
And the kingdom is united for a very short time. After Solomon, it gets divided into two, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom of Israel. And God sends the prophets to speak to them. In fact, we know through um, the book of Kings and Chronicles and Samuel, we hear about all the different prophets, including in 2 Kings, a prophet named Jonah. And in the year 722, the northern kingdom, which had been disobedient, they had been a broken vessel God had tried to remake. You can think of all the scripture passages and the prophets about the potter and the vessel and God trying to make the vessel or Israel being compared to a broken pot and what good is it and all those kinds of things. That's going to come up again. And the northern kingdom will fall to a group of people called the Assyrians. And we hear about the Assyrians today. So the setting of Jonah is somewhere around 750 BCE before the common era. Uh, later, when the northern kingdom falls in 722 and people kind of come down, um, Israel's going to be mo- mostly just the southern kingdom until they are also conquered by people called the Babylonians and taken into exile. It's about 586 BCE. They're in exile for about 50 years. And then they come back after that to, to reestablish Israel after the Persians kind of take over the world and then the Greeks and the Romans and so on and so forth. Jonah set about the year 750, but probably the story itself doesn't get written down until about 350. This is post-exile. This is post God abandoned us because we worship foreign idols. Therefore, Ezra and Nehemiah in the Bible say, we must be exclusionary. We must be cut off from all other people. All other people are bad. They lead us away from the one true God, and therefore we don't care about them. So the book of Jonah is written in that time period to contrast that view and to show that God does indeed have concern, not only for our perceived enemies, but as we'll see through the book, for all of creation. So that's the setting of Jonah. That gets us to the beginning where Jonah hears this call. And just like many of the biblical Hebrew prophets, the word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, Go to Nineveh. Now, if you were paying close attention to the reading, or if you want to look back now, Jonah doesn't say anything back. I know the title of the sermon is God said go, and Jonah said no, but Jonah doesn't actually say anything until his conversation with with the sailors much later. The first thing he says is, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord God, the creator of the earth and the sea. So Jonah doesn't actually say anything, but he's very clear in his communication about how he feels about God's call. Why does Jonah say no? Why doesn't he want to go to the Assyrians, Nineveh, the capital city? This is modern day Iraq, right? Jonah's in Jerusalem or around there. Uh, and so he, he goes to Joppa, Jaffa, modern day Jaffa, Tel Aviv, gets on a boat headed for Tarshish, away from where God is located in the temple as far away as possible to the ends of the known earth at that time, opposite of the direction of where Assyria is, Nineveh being the capital city. There's a lot of exaggeration, right, in fish stories, as we mentioned before. The word Tarshish is mentioned three times. Don't miss that. This is a really short book. It's four chapters, 48 verses, I think, in all. And in three times, the word Tarshish, the, the, the book is trying to emphasize, Jonah is trying to get as far away from God as possible. And the question we have to ask is, is why? Well, there's a couple reasons. As I mentioned before, we know that Jonah is a Hebrew prophet. And what do Hebrew prophets do? They tell God's word to God's people. 
okay? And then what they tell comes true. So if you think about um, Amos or Hosea or Jeremiah or Isaiah, you know, when they're speaking prophetically to God's people, God is going to destroy the northern kingdom of Israel unless you stop oppressing the poor. And then they don't, and the northern kingdom is destroyed. Therefore, we know for sure that Amos was a true prophet of Yahweh, of God, right? So Jonah is a prophet. And what God tells him to do is to go to his enemies. So that's one thing. We'll talk about that in a second. And say to them that God is displeased. And unless they change their ways, God's going to destroy them. Now, if they change their ways, then Jonah loses his job because he's no longer a prophet because what he said hasn't come true. God is going to destroy Nineveh, right? And God doesn't destroy Nineveh in this particular story. So Jonah doesn't want to go because these are people he really despises and dislikes, according to the story. These are Israel's enemies, the Assyrians at this time. Two, if what he preaches or proclaims to them doesn't come true, then he won't have a job anymore. And maybe he just didn't like to travel. I'm not really sure. So Jonah says no for uh, some, some pretty significant reasons. The question I have for you all today, though, is when God calls to us, why might we say no? Well, first and foremost, I think that hearing God's call on our lives is difficult for many and most of us. I think for some people, we're so busy, we don't really take the time to listen. God is constantly speaking to you, I promise. But it's hard sometimes in the busyness of everyday life and taking care of children and families and doing your household work and doing the job you have or going to school, all the things that we're engaged in, not to mention our hobbies and the things that distract us for good or for ill, like video games and television and all of those things. It's hard because of our busyness just to stop and slow down and pay attention and listen to God. It's hard to know if God's calling us for that. Another reason is because people... Uh, even followers of Jesus will intentionally go through periods of life where they, they intentionally are deaf to God's call. And this may be because of fear, maybe because they have tried to distance themselves from God because of sin in their life or for some other reason. How often is it then in our lives that when God calls to us, we drop everything that we're doing and go? I think you and I tend rather to be a bit like Jonah in our response to God we might not say no, but we might turn our back or be slow or reluctant or drag our feet. And usually we're pretty annoyed when God is doing something we don't want God to do. Like Jonah doesn't want God to forgive the Assyrians, right? And we have a tendency to hold those kind of grudges ourselves. Sometimes we just have a lot of excuses of why we can't answer God's call in our life. Uh, I'm too busy right now. This thing's really important. Um, I, you know, it's just not a good time for me. Sometimes God's plans have very little to do with the plans that we've made. That's certainly been true in my own life. I like to say that God likes to laugh at our plans because God's plans may or may not match with ours, depending if we're listening to God. And usually if we've got our own plans then God plans are pretty inconvenient to us. It's not what we thought we were going to be doing, the way we thought things were going to work out, or what we thought we might be doing with our lives. Sometimes, like Jonah, 
We simply just don't want to do what God wants us to do. There's a consequence to saying no to God, and we hear about it um, in the book of Jonah. I want to call your attention to this story. Back in in verse 4, when Jonah gets on the boat, almost immediately, this storm comes up. And this storm uh, seemingly doesn't affect Jonah at first, right? He goes down in the hole and sleeps, just like Jesus is sleeping in the boat. You remember when the disciples are, why are you, how can you be sleeping? And Jesus gets up and calms the the storm. There's a lot of connections uh, with the book of Jonah. He's sleeping in the boat because he's really trying to get as far away from God as possible, right? He's headed in the right, wrong direction, and he's putting himself in a lower position Uh, Again, there's a lot of exaggeration in this story. And the storm comes, and the sailors are freaking out. They don't know what to do. Um, They're doing everything they can to battle the storm. It seems to not be working. And so they begin to take, the word we heard today is cargo, but a Hebrew translation of that word is vessel, pots, Israel as a vessel for God's love. And they begin to throw these vessels to lighten their load off the ship. Um, And then they, it doesn't seem to be helping Finally, they are praying to all the gods that they believe in, and they go down, and they wake up Jonah, and they tell him to pray to his God. He still hasn't said anything at this point. And Jonah comes up on the deck, and they're all praying. Finally, they say, we, we've got to draw lots to figure out who's responsible for this. This is clearly uh, a divine event. This is outside of our normal experience. And so they cast lots, and it falls to Jonah. And they say to him, what did you do? In his first words, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And they're like, what did you do? (laughs) He said no. Jonah's no has a significant consequence for these sailors. They've already thrown their vessels, their cargo into the sea, right? They're battling the storm. They are all afraid, and they're living in fear that they're going to die. Our consequence for saying no to God affects other people as well. If you are living your life in the way and manner that God has intended you to, then you will be blessed. And those in your life will be blessed as well. But if you have turned your back on God and are walking away when God is calling you to live a holy and righteous life, then there are consequences not only for you, but for the other people in your life. Now here's really interesting. The guys, the sailors are, okay, so... What do we do? Jonah says, throw me over the boat. Um, they're like, we, that's not good. We don't want to incur more of the wrath of your God. And he says, no, it's going to be okay. And so they pray to Yahweh, the Lord God, the one true God, forgive us for what we're about to do. And so they throw Jonah, the vessel of God's message, off the boat, just like they've thrown the vessels that they were carrying their cargo before, the vessel of God's love expressed through Israel, That's been broken and mended and the potters had to reshape it over and over. All these connections. When they throw Jonah off the boat immediately, the storm is gone and still. And the sailors, having had this powerful experience of the one true God, make a sacrifice. Now you might know that the name Jonah uh, has a relation in Hebrew with the word dove. And that a dove is the traditional symbol of a sacrifice of thanksgiving that you make to God. So they're throwing Jonah off the boat, in essence, is a sacrifice that they make. 
The book of Jonah is full of these profound exaggerations, and I don't want us to get wrapped up again in any of the details or facts leading us away from the truth that's being communicated to us. Jonah himself uh, is involved in the two dialogues that happen through the whole book. There's not a lot that's said uh, here with the sailors and at the end of the book uh, with God. Over the next couple of weeks, I really want to encourage you as we engage in this text and this story to see where you fit in the story of Jonah. Can you relate to the desire that Jonah has when God calls him to say no or not yet? Or can I do something else? And if so, what were the consequences? Can you relate to being in the midst of a storm and not really sure what's happening, but once you figure out, really wrestle with what it might take to calm that storm in your life? Brothers and sisters, my, my question for you today to meditate on throughout this week is simply this. What is God calling you to do just now? Jonah doesn't speak for a long time in the beginning of this story. You know, uh, it seems like several days maybe have passed. I don't know that any of you go several days without speaking. But I do know that when he begins to speak, he tells the truth about his identity, right? He says, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord God. What would it be like for us who have kept silent for so long about what God may be calling us to do, to speak truth, to fight for justice, to work to overturn oppression, to speak words of encouragement. If we open our mouths and proclaim our identity first, I am a follower of Jesus, then remarkable things can happen. What is God calling you to do or where is God calling you to go? Just now, what will you say? Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the gift of the book of Jonah. We thank you for your truth that is communicated through this story. We pray, Lord God, that you would give us ears to listen, to hear you, that we would respond with a yes. Give us strength and courage to say what you would have us say, and to be the people you would have us be. In Christ's name. Amen.